I think there is a misconception in this life of having that plenty of time to make sure everything is lined up and in order and um, we buried my uncle this week uh, two years almost two years prior we had buried my uncle uh, my aunt uh, not too long ago we had buried my grandfather all those I would say ripened in years and then just this week I've seen babies I've seen teenagers I've seen those my age all come through the doors of the funeral parlor all thinking they had plenty of time what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see don't know about you this morning, but I'm looking forward to the day when we'll live in a land of no mores. No more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. But most of all, no more sin and no more death or dying. Amen. What a day that'll be. First Kings chapter 19, if you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be looking at a prophet of God, a prophet of Elijah. I want to say uh, thank you uh, to the church for your prayers for me uh, Sunday as I had uh, awoken and, and uh, just wasn't feeling uh, good at all. And so I thank you for your prayers. And of course, we had the, the funeral this week of my uncle. Thank you for your prayers there. And and uh, we're, it's good to be uh, back here in uh, the Twin Cities uh, preaching to you this morning. And I uh, had jokingly told someone, now I have to keep them a little past 12 because I've got to make up for last week. So, uh, of course, that's just joking. But uh, nonetheless, Elijah is a great prophet of God. His rank, we know that Elijah had the amazing privilege of of appearing with Jesus there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, one of the great, I would say greatest, but I'll just say one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, we find in 1 Kings an account of his life. He was uh, coming in in chapter seven or 17, rather. Uh, he kind of burst into this scene, and he is announcing uh, a judgment or announcing famine that is coming to the land here and and we know that this uh, uh, in 17 of uh, uh, in first kings 17 that he had been fed by the ravens, he had been fed uh, by the uh, widow, and he, he came to Carmel's great victory, uh, you'll find there in First Kings uh, 17 and 18. And, and it's almost a shame uh, for us to come to this chapter in chapter 19 to look into, into his life at this point in time because it's a life of defeat. Uh, he seems to be down, and and matter of fact, he is actually running uh, for his life. So let's look at it together, 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, 
And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thyself as the life of one of them by the morrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, who belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he Looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink, and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came the second time, and touched him, and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose, and did eat and drink, and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been a very, I have been very jealous of the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And I, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth, and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and broke it in pieces, and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the altar, or in the after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in the mantle, and went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous of the Lord of God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, and return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. Let's pray. Lord, how thankful we are for your grace. Lord, how we long for that great day of your return. And Lord, how all of your people will gather on heaven's shore. Lord, to worship you for all eternity. God, we are looking forward uh, to that day. Lord, help us to be more mindful of those who perhaps are in the mindset of having plenty of time. Lord, how they feel that they're still young and there's still plenty of time to do whatever is necessary. God, we pray that you'd convict their heart. Lord, if they uh, return to you, Lord, if they call out to you that they be saved, before us eternally too late. Likewise, that one who maybe is backslidden this morning, 
Lord, that you would touch their heart. Lord, if they repent and return to you. Lord, be with me as we look at this word. God, give me the words these dear people need to hear. Lord, hide me behind the cross of Calvary that they not see me, Lord, but they would see you. But whatever you do here this morning, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. For a few weeks, we spent studying the book of Jonah. And it's interesting as you study Elijah how much of a contrast they have with each other. Uh, one, they run from God. They, they have a, a message for, to proclaim. And they both deal with depression. They both seek the Lord in taking their own life. It's amazing to me how, how similar uh, they are. And uh, so this morning as we look at this, I, I want to keep in mind that uh, even... Even the prophets uh, sometimes get down. And uh, even as preachers, sometimes we have our down settings in life. And I would even say you as Christians, all of us as Christians, at some point in life, maybe things just aren't going the way that we want them to go. But I want us to notice just a few, a few things here uh, this morning. Um, Concerning this passage and, and Elijah's current condition uh, here in this uh, passage, bearing in mind that he's running for uh, his life at this point. Uh, they, they're killing the prophets of God, and so uh, he's gotten wind of this, and so he begins to run away, uh, and he finds himself into uh, some desperate times. And, but I want us to look at verses 4 through verse number 8 where we see the Lord takes care of Elijah. The Lord takes care of Elijah. Elijah's great victory and uh, in, in, that you'll find in, in the preceding uh, chapters. And, and, and then we see Jezebel's anger, how she is um, very much angry to the point of taking or trying to take Elijah's life here and and now all of these victories are forgotten in Elijah's mind uh, he feels mighty low at this point and so the Bible says there that he goes a day's journey uh, into the wilderness now he doesn't want to face anyone at this point uh, he does not want to talk with anyone at this point. Uh, he does not want to assume uh, any more uh, responsibilities at this point. He is just going to try uh, to go and to get away from everything, from everybody. And perhaps trying to even get away from God. This describes here that there is no, he, he's uh, deciding that there's no reason to live. There's no use in living at this point. It, it, he's almost to the point where he says, I, I've had enough. I, I, I've had it. I'm, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm done. It's over. Take my life away from me. Suicide is on the mind at this point and how sad that is. It reminds us of Jonah that we looked at a few weeks ago. You'll remember how he even said, after a whole city repented and came to God, how Jonah was so mad that he said, Lord, just take my life. 
Just take it away. Life is so useless. I'd rather die. And it's interesting if you... (laughs) I found it interesting. Maybe you've never thought of this as you studied this. But isn't it interesting how... Bearing in mind, Elijah being a prophet of God had many great victories, has, has overcome a lot, being fed by the raven, being fed by the widow. Uh, have, now he's, he's, he's fleeing for his life. So he doesn't want Jezebel or her people killing him. But in the same token, he's fleeing from life, yet he seeks to end life. Isn't that interesting? See how confused uh, Elijah is here? He's fleeing for protection of his life, yet in that same sentence he is saying, Lord, take my life. The depressed person does not know what he wants. Elijah at this point didn't know what he wants. And it's it's so often that, that these burdens are so heavy that we bear in this life that we just get tired, right? Same thing with Elijah. Notice what the scripture says, that he goes and finds a juniper tree and he just kind of flops down and he goes to sleep. Seems to be a pattern in a prophet's life, right? Uh, when things don't go your way, find a tree, go to sleep, Jonah... Things didn't go the way he wanted. What did that, he went found the gourd. The gourd grew. He fell asleep under the gourd. Lord, take my life. <laughs> Same thing. Elijah. Under a juniper tree. He falls asleep. I pose a question to you this morning. Have you ever felt so down in life that all you could do was lie down? And all you could do was just lay there. It just seems that you didn't want to do anything. I think we could all be honest this morning and say we've all been there at some point in our life. I can't imagine young people today. I know how things were when I was growing up. And it's not nearly uh, in some instances as bad as some, maybe the way some of you had grown up in life. But, you know, there's been some low times, even in a preacher's life, where you just want to lay down and just say, whatever, you know, Lord, have your way. Have you felt that life is so fruitless and so useless that it seems that no one's getting saved anymore? No one comes to the altars no more. I can recall days, and I know most of you, if not all of you here this morning, can recall the days where revivals would happen and people would literally go grab the old horns of the, of the altar and just cry out to God. Not necessarily for themselves or for their salvation, but for the salvation of others. For revival to really break loose. The Old Testament talks about grabbing the horns of the altar. You know, I think it would do good for us uh, as, as Baptists to, to get back to those old roots and, and not be so ashamed of saying Amen. Not be so ashamed of raising a hand of praise every now and then and crying out to God. Notice God's tender care of this depressed prophet. As he slept, the Bible says, an angel came and touched him. God was watching. Isn't it good to know this morning 
that no matter what we face in life, God is watching. That God knows all about our problems, all about our sorrows, all about our uh, cares and concerns in this world. God was watching. Food and water, the Bible says, was provided. And, and Elijah awakes and, and uh, he sees, the, 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 the Bible says, a cake baking there on the coals and how water was provided. And he goes and sleeps again. Falls asleep. Doesn't that remind you of the disciples? <laughs> when Christ was on his way to Calvary and, and he went into the garden there at Gethsemane and, and he told his disciples to, to wait here and, and pray. I must go on a little further. And he walked on a little further to, to have quiet time with God. And he comes back and finds his disciples asleep. <laughs> Tired, right? Weary. Asleep. Elijah was tired from this journey. Now, I read somewhere where this journey would have been somewhere between 18 to 30 miles in length that he was traveling. So I'm sure he was tired. I know if I had to walk, if I had to walk five miles, I'd be ready to find a tree too, right? so Elijah was tired. So he was asleep. He falls asleep the second time. And the angel awakes him again. And he's basically saying here, you know, I woke you the first time. You ate, you drank. And he's saying, you didn't get fed just to sleep. There's a task for you to do. There's a job for you to do. And notice in verse 9, we see the Lord's question to Elijah. Look at that question. He says, what doest thou here? <laughs> what doest thou here? That's God's question to his discouraged child this morning. Elijah was, was trembling when, when he should have been uh, 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 trusting in God. Elijah was pouting when he should have been praising God. And here is God's question to a Christian defeated by fear. This is the same question that God has to a Christian who thinks that they have no purpose to live in life. This is God's question to a Christian who is overwhelmed by the problems of life. This is God's question to one who is focusing on the faults of others. While we're on that subject, may I say that if we look at our own faults, we don't have time to look at everybody else's. Amen? Or oh me. This is God's question to the one who is uh, backslidden this morning. To the one who remembers that better day when things were great. Remember the day you got saved? I remember. I was on spring break. I was in seventh grade. High middle school. Spring break. There at the fireplace in my mom's house, good old Takapola, Mississippi, I got saved. Five minutes after that moment, no joke, Jehovah's Witnesses were knocking at my door. I didn't know nothing about them at the time. Called my youth pastor, told him what had happened, then told him about the witnesses that came by and 
and he was like, yeah, let's talk later. And so anyway, I went to church. That was a Wednesday. I went to church that night and talked with my pastor and the youth pastor and had to put off baptism. We had some baptistry problems, and anyway, we finally got me baptized, and of course, I was a big, I was, well, I'm big now, but I was a big boy then, too, and literally had to push me under while I was floating, uh, but the heater wouldn't work in the baptistry. It was cold, <laughs> but we got baptized and surrendered to preach. We remember those better days. That pastor has since left that church, but I saw him in a revival meeting the other night. And I went up to him. Of course, I've seen him throughout uh, my days living in Mississippi. I'd see him at the funeral home a few occasions and still preaching. And we would have a talk, and he would say, Are you still preaching? Or he would say, Pastoring. I said, Well, I'm not pastoring currently, but I'm still preaching. And he said, Good. How good we remember those good days when church houses used to be full, right? Y'all can't do it here, but a couple of the churches that I have had the privilege of preaching revival meetings in, they had the old-fashioned windows that you could raise. And, and I've seen pictures in those churches where the windows would be raised, people in the window seals and, and the church filled, people outside filled because they wanted to hear from God. Remember those good days. The Lord's question, what doest thou here? And it's interesting his response, is it not? He doesn't talk about, oh, I was tired and I, I wanted to rest. But he said, the people have killed your prophets. They, they've taken up your altars. They, they've went against your covenant. And they're seeking my life now. Instead of just saying, Lord, I'm... I'm running. Lord, I'm in fear for my life. And it's interesting what the Lord tells Elijah. <laughs> also interesting that God didn't acknowledge none of that, did he? <laughs> Do you notice that? Verse 11, he said, go forth. Go forth and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break it in pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Go forth and stand on the mountain. What an experience this must have been uh, for him. And it's interesting how three things were mentioned here that God was not in. The great stormy wind that rent the mountains, God wasn't in that. The, the ground trembles beneath his feet, the, the, the earthquake, the stones falling, God was not in that. How the trees just burst into flames, lightning striking. God was not in that. What was the purpose of all those things? To get his attention. To get his attention so that he could 
have a part in what God was in. And that was that small, still voice. What must God do to get your attention this morning? Is it going to take some calamities in life, the storms? Is it going to take uh, sickness? Is it going to take death? I can't tell you the number of funerals that I have been a part of over my career in funeral service and even as a pastor. But I know of several occasions where that funeral brought some people to the saving grace of Christ because reality hit. And I think here, Elijah, facing all of these things, can you imagine? I mean, we have some, some mountains here in Arkansas. And I, I've seen, I, I went through the other day, I went through a highway that I'm assuming that they literally cut this mountain to make this highway go through there. But it was rocks on both sides. Of course, I'm a nervous, I'm like, Lord, you know, you can only imagine the, vi- the movies that you've seen where rocks are falling down and crush your vehicle. That was the image I had in my mind. And I'm thinking, just let me get through the mountain, right? Just let me get through this mountain. Can you imagine Elijah seeing this wind come through and literally split mountains in half and how the ground trembles the earthquakes and the the fires just to get his attention and he asked the question once again what doest thou here what doest thou here interesting something happens in verse 14 verse 15 don't know what happens But something happens. And the Lord said unto him, verse 15, Go, return on my way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you come, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. I find it probably, and this probably goes against everything that Modern psychology will teach you and it will probably be considered maybe abusive language in today's terminologies, but I'll just be real with you this morning. I really don't think God is interested in our little pity parties that we have for ourselves. When God has a task for us, He has prepared us for that task. And and whatever it is that God has to do to ensure that we do that task, He will do it. And it's oftentimes we have to go through the mountains of life in order to get to those, um, uh, or the valleys in life, to get to those mountaintop victories in life. We don't know what happened between verse 14 and verse 15, but nonetheless, we know that God commissioned Elijah once again to go and how that he went. He went and did as he was instructed. And you'll find that in verse 19 where it says, So he departed thence. He obeyed. He went and did what God had called him to do. So I say to you this morning as we prepare to close, God meets us where we are. 
We don't have to be in the fanciest of homes. We don't have to be driving the fanciest of vehicles. We don't have to have the nicest name tag on the back of our clothes. God meets us where we are. And whether that's in a church pew at the altar or maybe standing at the head of a casket, God meets us where we are. Whether it's at the the joyous times of life or whether it's even on our deathbed, God meets us where we are. And He has commissioned us to go. That is our purpose in life, to get moving and to do what it is that He's called us to do. And that's not to... And Granted, I'm, I'm glad you're all here this morning, but this is not our only purpose. There is far more things beyond this brick and mortar that we need to be doing. Evangelizing, reaching out to those who are lost. I don't know much about this city other than what I hear. <laughs> and that's not always good, right? But uh, nonetheless, I can tell you this. There are lots and lots of lost souls beyond those doors. And they can see the light that shines here. And we need to spread this gospel, his commission for us to get going. And maybe I will pose the same question to you this morning that God has posed to Elijah and has posed to countless others. What doest thou here? Are we still wrapped up in our self-pity? Are we still wrapped up in, Lord, I can't go on with life. Lord, this burden is heavy. And there's nothing wrong with saying those things. Absolutely. There are some heavy burdens in life. But we will allow God to do what God does and give that burden to Him. One of the biggest things that we're so guilty of, and I'm going to close with this. I told you I was going to make up for last Sunday. So many times we bring all of our burdens to the cross. But so many times when we get up from the foot of the cross, we seem to gather all of those burdens right back up and carry them with us. Can I encourage you this morning to just simply leave it? Leave it at the cross. I remember a revival years ago. And I'm going to close, I promise, with this one. Revival many years ago, a young man who was addicted, and I do mean addicted, uh, to some drugs and um, cigarettes and those kinds of things. He laid all of his stuff. Now, I don't know what all that stuff is. I know what cigarettes are, and I know what some of the other drugs are, but he literally laid all of his stuff poured his pockets out and laid it on the altar of that church and he walked away from it. Today he is standing in a pulpit somewhere preaching. When we give it to God, don't pick it back up. Amen. Hymn of invitation will be extended. This is your opportunity to do business with God. Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe it's for someone else. And I encourage you, if you're able, this altar is open. But as we have talked before, no God will hear us wherever we are. And if you're more comfortable in your pew, then that's just fine. But can I encourage you to just leave it with the Lord this morning?
whatever it is the Lord has dealt with your heart, that you just turn it over to Him and let Him have complete control in your life as we sing. Jesus is calling.